throughout Britain, men and women are foregoing the 9 till 5 jobs introduced during the Industrial Age as they embrace new technologies within the digital revolution. And these two chaps are here to help. Welcome to the Powerful Nonsense Podcast, the show about mindfulness and entrepreneurship in the digital economy, with your hosts, Wayne Ingram and Jem Yildiz. It's Powerful Nonsense time! Hello everybody, welcome back. We are now in the position on your playlist, which means we're being played. Just saying. <laughs> yeah. It's our turn. We're in. Screw Pat Flynn. Screw 50 Cent. <laughs> yeah, and him, yeah. Screw him. <laughs> Screw you, 50 Cent. And Uptown Funk. Please don't do shouts like, it's a G-Unit, don't be hating. I mean, we love you, 50 Cent. And Uptown Funk. Even though, obviously, Uptown Funk is a song rather than a band. Anyway. It's our turn now, yeah. and we've got what I think is going to be a cracking episode. Mm, bold statement. Bold, bold statement. statements. Bold statements. Oh, bold statement and bold and statements. Bold statement. yeah, 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 yeah. We're full of the bold statements. This one is a bit, um, a bit different. Usually, it's not so much on the album. It's kind of. It's an episode that I think is a long time in the making. Oh, it's a long time. Coming. I think it's a, as soon as I said we should do this episode, you were like, "Yes, let's record it now." Go! I was like, true. "Wait, true, true, wait, true." Jim. Yeah, no, I definitely think this is an episode that I think a lot of people can get a lot of value out of because mm-hmm. we're covering a lot of points that I think mm-hmm. people. We don't have the answer to this to this episode. We don't know what the actual final outcome is, but we're just kind of like... We're highlighting the problem. Yeah, we're browsing that subject and just saying, look, this is what it is at the moment. So what is said subject, Gem? Because we're being very vague. This is called adding mystery. We are mystery. Like, this is like the trailer. Seducing the ears. Yeah, yeah. So basically we can talk about the future of education. <laughs> everyone's like, boo. <laughs> <laughs> Pause. What's next on my playlist? Put 50 cent on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, but we're talking about like technology and education mm-hmm. specifically. Um, and this all came up because I've spoken many times about, I don't know if I've spoken about it on the podcast, probably have in one of my rants, about how um, technology um, being kind of removed from the classroom is just foolish mm-hmm. um, and then my dad messaged me a few weeks back like oh guess what hap- What guess what turned up on the news a, a like academic was saying how the smartphone is the future of the classroom I was like yeah no shit that's what I've been saying <laughs> for years um, and then I pointed out to him the fact that it's probably going to be by the time it's actually implemented it's probably going to be too late mm-hmm. and actually we're in a situation where we're actually too late to start implementing this stuff to where it is now and we've caused greater problems because of it. So. And, and the same with me, like I mean I've worked I work with quite a lot of um charities that are supporting young people and it's all like now they're just sort of releasing all these sort of projects where they're getting young people to code or they're getting young people to understand how the web works. And again, like exactly what you say there, I'm kinda of looking at it thinking, okay, it's, it's a good step forward, it's great that they're learning those skills, but like like you say, is it too late? Because <clears throat> my dad used an example. Because um, I was talking to him about the whole subject, and uh, he kind of said, "Yeah, so like teachers should be, you know, saying, okay, go off and go off with your iPads or your phones, do the research, and then give us a presentation." I was like, "No, that's completely the problem because actually all you're doing is using technology to replace textbooks, mm-hmm. which is beyond." Mm-hmm. Like that's the technology we should have been implementing 
15 years ago when yeah. we were on 56k modems <laughs> not when people got smartphones in their hands um, and I think that's kind of the underlying issue that I think I wanted to address with this episode so we actually have a quote of the episode because Wayne wanted a quote back he was like what's happened to our beginning quotes so I, I thought alright I'm going to do one but this one fits nicely but I don't I can't remember where I heard this I just heard it somewhere and it kind of it it's your quote isn't it you, you I, I made this up it's not Wayne quoting <laughs> but no it's kind of like what, exactly what you said there and the quote is basically handing everyone a tablet will not push the education will not push education into the future mm-hmm. and it's kind of what you say there it's just because okay you've now put the textbooks onto a tablet mm-hmm. does not make you a digital education institute no, no. <laughs> and I actually I know a teacher who um, who will remain nameless um, mm. who approached me because the head teacher of his school had spent loads of money on getting iPads and Apple TVs and they get all those like fancy whiteboards as yeah, well they're like we're, we're, we're writing on a board with a funky yeah. pen no that's still a chalkboard basically <laughs> it doesn't make you more digital yeah. and uh <laughs> The head teacher was like, right, use these to teach your, teach your kids. And then all the teachers were like, well, we don't know how to use these. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of it. Like, But it was kind of that attitude of, well, we'll buy all this stuff, we'll hand it out, and see what happens. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, you've got to be far more intentional with what you're doing with this technology. Otherwise, it's pointless, it's a waste of money, and you're actually doing a disservice to your students. That's what I say. Definitely. I think a good place to start would just be talking about, like, why it's important that, like, I mean, just to give the mm-hmm. bigger scale of mm-hmm. things, why have things changed? Why is digital so important? Uh-huh. So I know we spoke about this a few times, and maybe it's just worth just dropping a few of those points. Yeah, so I, I think the main the main thing, the, the reason it's so important is, I mean, look around, look around you at what's happening in society. Everything is going digital. Everything. Uh, the companies like HMV are struggling because they've not embraced this digital movement that's happened um and and the more and more things go digital the more and more joe average has to spend time on the computer and the more and more they have to spend time i mean everybody's got a smartphone everybody's got a smartphone you kind of are shocked when someone takes out a phone and it's a nokia 3310 um, <laughs> uh, or you hear a polyphonic polyphonic ringtone you're like what the hell is that i miss that crazy frog <laughs> <laughs> But like it's it's a shock now when you mm-hmm. see people with a phone that isn't a smartphone because everybody's got one and we have the internet in the palm of our hands and we have technology in the palm of our hands and the things that all these developers are doing are incredible and I just think that the classroom is not embracing that at all. And then if you go and look at employment, you've got to think, well, first of all, I think this is the big shift. First of all, everyone's kind of like, we said all technology was coming in, like the factory started bringing in the technology. Now if you walk into any of your local supermarket, you realise your cashier has been replaced by the do-it-yourself service. Then you kind of, then you can go even further. And I think this is happening even more. But now even if you look at sort of pharmacies and now actually mm-hmm. automating pharmacies, mm-hmm. there's, and you've got even like lawyers or you've got accountants, now you can down, now you can have your own accounting software online that it's run through your mobile phone where you take pictures of your receipts and so even first initially like I totally believe that it's going to be that first layer of low those sort of um sort of uh what is it those sort of lower uh menial yeah those sort of menial jobs are the ones that are getting cut first and that hits usually it's the poorest people usually doing those sort Mm -hmm. of jobs and they're the ones that are becoming automated they're the ones that are being quickly stripped away and then suddenly, I think it's slowly moving again to that way, where actually those sort of middle-class jobs are also being cut away. So the lawyers, the pharmacists, the personal trainer, someone can just have a, a, download an app now and kind of follow along. 
And even like like you say there, even the developers, if someone, no one needs to get a developer to build a website nowadays because you can just download a template and do a bit of drag and drop. And so people need to realize that, all right, you might be training people in all these high tech skills, but slowly people are kind of automating them or finding a way mm-hmm. to make them be done easier mm-hmm. yourself. And so this is the thing that I think is the most, like we're totally missing this, that we're still training young people in this certain way to do these, to do these jobs that no longer exist. Yeah. And that's where the fall off is. And it's, I mean, we're talking about this now, but people have known this for fifty years that this is happening. Mm-hmm. Yet everyone's like, no, no, not yet, not yet, not yet. And then, and then we wonder why there's so many young people who are literally mm-hmm. out of work or don't know what to do next. Mm-hmm. And um, I spoke to a guy recently, and he worked in a school. And he was saying how he does some of his sort of um, classes. Like, if someone doesn't come in, he kind of Skype, he gets them in on Google Hangouts. Mm-hmm. And he generally said to me, he goes, "Gem, honestly, I think that the edge can." I, I, I genuinely believe that the education system has handicapped our children. Definitely. Definitely agree. And Yeah, and that's what he was saying. He was just saying, like, we are training them to be obsolete in the world. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like... And then people wonder why why there's all these problems, why employment's low, why the, the rich are getting richer, because there's no longer the middle or the bottom mm-hmm. jobs. There's only you have the company and you buy a load of machines that go and produce said product for you. Yeah. Well, I remember doing my uh, A-level IT... Um, and the big project that we had to work on, the big project, was how to build an access database. Mm-hmm. Now, probably half of you listening don't even know what access is. Access is a Microsoft database software program where you can build databases, and you can kind of make these, kind of turn them into kind of apps and things. Now, I don't know about you, mm-hmm. but how often are you going to need an access database when actually probably the bigger project that you should be putting together is building a website that can actually convert people um, and get like newsletter signups and things like that that's the sort of thing that we should be teaching kids in IT and why on earth well I think it's starting to shift now finally but IT not being a core subject being treated on the same level as maths English and science it needs to go that way it has to and I don't think it needs to be um, IT as it is but it needs to be more about digital creation. Like, teaching kids to code is great, but you don't need to code. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, very... Coding <laughs> is the coding is the elite position. Mm-hmm. Like, you can build a great website. You can even build great apps now without having to write a single line of code. Or even, like, the... Um, is it the Apple sort of sandbox? It's a lot of mm-hmm. drag and drop, and it mm-hmm. does the code for you. People don't realise this, and that's what annoys me quite a lot, is because I think for the older generation, when they hear, oh, look, we're going to fund we're going to put so much money into helping kids code is great and all that but like you say there like they don't actually need to code because they could just if the reason they're coding is so they can market their cleaning business on the weekend then they don't need to they or their market any business that they decide to start they don't need that initial coding skills just get a website up download a template mm-hmm. that's the bit that i think we should teach people or like you say the creation do you use photoshop or do you just use canva stuff right, like yeah. that <laughs> yeah and i've i've i very rarely open photoshop anymore I just get online, log on to canva.com, and start playing around and with suddenly, the template. Suddenly, got, you're right. Which looks design, great. Yeah. Exactly. Like, I've worked, worked for a company doing a few graphic designs just for things on their website, and they're going, 
God, these are better than what our actual graphic designers that we hire are doing. And it's like, yeah, because I'm just using templates on Canva, tweaking them a little bit, and yeah, they look great. And they look great because some designer somewhere else is putting together all the templates, which look great, and then it's like, go and have a play. But that's again, like we were saying there, look, then suddenly the designer role drops because everybody becomes a designer. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of this constant sort of progression where those sort of middle jobs seem to be going. But obviously there's still... I mean, I've, I've read uh, the book, like, um, Average is Over, and he sort of says, like, these sort of jobs are going to fall away, like, these sort of, the, the popular jobs, it's just going to be those sort of service roles that he mm. says, things where you work with people, where you work with technology directly, and I think it's a very, it's a very strange world we're going to go into, because I do think, I think everybody keeps saying it, like, jobs are just going to constantly, constantly, constantly keep dropping, James Altucher talks about it all the time, he said, mm. every one of you is going to be fired, you're going to be fired, you're going to be temp workers, or you're going to be an artist, or you're going to be creative. And I just think it's kind of like, wow, people are kind of like still gripping on by their nails to what is the current system. Yeah, definitely. And I just don't think it's there anymore. No, I, I completely agree with you. Completely agree with you. And another thing, like like we say, like education was, education was mainly built there to create people for these sort of production roles. Mm -hmm. And and like we know, there's no more factories. And in the UK, they say like our economy is we're all about import export that sort of thing. We don't we don't produce much in our country anymore. Like they say, Germany's doing great because they do produce. And so, even if here, if all our kids are being taught to be very compliant to go and work in these production roles that no longer exist, mm -hmm. then you definitely got a problem when they come out and they no longer have those skills. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, so, I want to talk uh, about the practical use of technology and uh, in the classroom mm -hmm. and because we mentioned the fact that we think we're too late and things like that um, do you think we are too late? Um, I don't I think there's always a use for technology but I think it's the way school works is wrong like I was talking to my um, I was talking to my older brother yesterday and I mean my little brother yesterday bunked school like I don't I don't condone bunking school but he was just like it's a waste of time I don't want to do it and my mum was getting really annoyed with him saying well you should have went in like you have to go to school but I think a lot of young people feel that way the school no longer works to them anymore mm -hmm. I think back in the day I think you could get by by but I think as the generations have kept progressing I think schools become more and more painful and doesn't kind of relate to the rest of the world around them so although my brother didn't go to school, he did go on his like YouTube and start making videos, and he's he's sort of educated himself on on this whole new level. You might not look at that as education because it's not in the classroom, uh -huh. but he's a he's a designer, he's a video maker, he puts YouTube stuff out, he knows how to build mm -hmm. communities online. So it's a whole different type of education. But again, I think this is the difference. I think I I, I generally believe that school's going to get to the point where you kind of a bit like Khan Academy where there's videos available to students open to everybody so there's not one school that's better than the other you don't say oh I've got to get my kid into this school it's actually open to everyone everyone can have a similar level of education taught by the best teachers who put their videos up if they're learning a subject the kid the young person goes online learns in their own time can pause the video can start again can go have lunch can go back and then the teacher says okay you're coming in you have two days a week in school or something like that and you come in and do the practical with your students i kind of see it going like that i think already we can see through youtube that young people seem to be learning or or sort of consuming that con content in that way whether it's buzzfeed whether it's youtube yet the school still thinks they're going to put a textbook on someone's table and get them to write into a notepad. Yeah, I was going to say, what we're doing now instead is we're saying, put those smartphones away, you know, the internet in the palm of your hand, knowledge in the palm of your hand, put that away. Because that's not... It's like, I, I always think to, like, maths mm -hmm. and the calculator. 
Mm-hmm. Like, how often was he like, no calculators? It's uh-huh. like, okay, that's fine. I understand why, because yeah. we need to understand the logic of, of the maths that we're doing. But when you're doing GCSE maths and A-level maths and stuff like that, it's like, no calculators. It's like, why? I understand how maths works. That's all I needed to not use a calculator for. Mm-hmm. Because my mental maths now is shockingly bad. But the reason it's shockingly bad is because I don't need it. Mm-hmm. I understand the formula. I put the formula into my calculator. Mm-hmm. It gives me the re- result. <laughs> like, and and that, this is the same problem we're having with the smartphone now. All of the subjects, all of the teachers are going, no smartphones, no phones, yeah. whatever. And it's like... But that is such a key part. It's a life tool now. It is a life yeah, tool. Yeah, you work. It's part. It's like your outsourced brain in a way. And I know people say, "Oh, that's terrible." But then I get, I don't get why we kind of expect people, like even with young people, like when you do history, you had to remember all these bloody numbers and dates of when mm-hmm. the battle was, or you kind of need in psychology, you need to know the name of the et al and whoever else. And you're kind of like, what is the point? Is it just so I can regurgitate these sort of facts, or can I just literally go into Google and search that in two seconds? It's like we're wasting a whole a whole lot of education trying to get people to remember stuff that should already just be outsourced to the search or to your your device mm-hmm. and then just teach them that creativity part where they kind of merge the psychology to the history to the maths and kind of that part seems to be missing yeah yeah it is it's it's the <laughs> i hate to say it but it's the entrepreneurial part that is missing mm-hmm. it completely is we are training people to be regurgitators of information as you say and it's like okay that's useful to a point um but when you're when you've been in school for 10 years by this point and that's still the skill they're trying to like shove down your throat it's it's completely pointless it is completely pointless and that's where i think actually universities are starting to to do it right Mm -hmm. universities are embracing that whereas the school system isn't um, because university is about self-study anyway. That's mm-hmm. the whole point of university, where school isn't, or at least they're refusing to accept the fact that it now has become that. Uh-huh. It has to become that, because um, I was telling you before we hit record, my brother ended up teaching his psychology class because he knew more than the teacher teaching the psychology class. Mm-hmm. Now, whether or not that's because it was a particularly bad teacher or not, I don't know. But the point is, it happened. And it happened for a reason, and okay let's assume that the teacher was in fact a good teacher um, but the knowledge still wasn't up to par with my brothers mm-hmm. and then it gets to a point where actually the students are teaching the teachers mm-hmm. because my brother knows more than that teacher so he starts teaching the class and then the, the teacher goes oh yeah I like that you know and then the, te- the students become the teacher and I think if we're getting to the stage where that is happening, we're in really, really dangerous territory because then we end up having classrooms which are um, you know, maybe being fed false information because the students know more. No more. Yeah, but I, I don't. I would say that's not something to be afraid of because I think if you look online, you've got. I I go and watch a video where I get a young person teaching oh, yeah. me about my camera. Oh yeah, yeah. Or definitely. you might get. Imagine it's much better if you've got a maths equation and you've got another. You've got your student friend who goes online and does a YouTube uh, screen share of how he explains how that how that um, how that math equation can be solved. And suddenly that becomes a lot more valuable than say the teacher delivering. Oh it. yeah, no, no, I, I agree with you in that respect. But I think we get into dangerous territory when actually, um, for various reasons, where actually the teacher is irrelevant mm-hmm. um, because the, you always need the teacher, but but you need. What you need is someone that's qualified to actually talk about that subject. And if you've got a student that's not qualified to talk about that subject, 
mm-hmm. um, because let's face it, at this age they're only about fifteen. Yes, they might have gathered a lot of knowledge, mm-hmm. but they lack life experience. They lack experience in the field and all of mm-hmm. that sort of stuff. Then you're in dangerous territory. You say that, but I say a lot of teachers don't actually have experience in the field. No, they just go straight no, no, into no. teaching well, from that's, university. That's another conversation <laughs> entirely. But but you understand mm-hmm. what the point but I'm making. What I what I just want to state is it's because that- it's different having someone on YouTube t- teaching you how to use Photoshop, for example, because like. Because they use Photoshop, that's how they they can mm-hmm. teach you to do it. Whereas if you know someone who is teaching psychology, as was the case in, in yeah, this yeah. scenario, but they've never engaged in psychology, other than reading things on Wikipedia and, mm-hmm. and other websites and things like that, that's when I think you're. But, in but the bit territory. the bit I really really like, and I think the essence of what we're trying to say is that part that whatever your brother got that spark that came into him that said I want to explore this subject more. Mm-hmm. That is what education's for. The fact that he has gone off on his own and started suddenly exploded into understanding, really being fascinated by psychology. That is the only point of education, mm-hmm. is to create self-educators. Like you said there, university is that place where you kind of start exploring. I mean, you might get some people who, who go there just to kind of carry on that education, hold mm-hmm. things off, but that point of university is to become that hub of where you sort of just let your brain go and you explore that subject as far mm-hmm. as you as far as far wide as you like. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, and, and I think that's where... Um, I think we have a problem with the school system in general. I think I've said this before. I think the school system that we have at the moment is like... um, I I kind of almost liken it a little bit to Windows. The problem that Windows has Mm. is the fact that um, Windows is trying to still be Windows 95. Mm -hmm. It's still trying to be Windows 95, which was pretty good when when it happened. Um, But every Windows that's come since has been based off of Windows 95. Um, and what they actually need to do is strip that back completely and go, right, what do our users need? What do our users want? What and is pre- the world they're going into? Yeah, right, yeah, yeah. And present that to them. And mm-hmm. the school system has the same problem. The school system is still trying to be the school it's, system that was set up definitely. in the 20th, early 20th century to try and create industrial... Um, Workers. Blind workers, yeah. So it no longer... It, Whereas it needs us to go, right, let's ignore everything mm-hmm. that's happened before... And look at what the world needs now, and let's build an education system around that, rather than building an education system around a world that existed a hundred years ago. Mm-hmm. No, I, to- I totally agree that I think that is what education has failed to do is to look outside. Like it seems that I don't know whether it's the governments or whoever's pushing them to kind of. It's always about grades, higher grades, mm-hmm. higher, more students, more educated mm-hmm. students, but it's not actually looking at what is happening outside like uh-huh. the, you can constantly keep it's like a, a business can constantly improve how productive how productive it is how efficient the workers are mm-hmm. but if you look outside and no one no one's actually no longer buying your product any longer right. then you, you can be a great business inside but then outside then you've got a problem mm-hmm. and of course you do need some sort of scoring system um just mainly though to keep track of the students to see how the students are progressing yeah, progression yeah definitely um, you need that um, but when it beco- when the when the score becomes the goal, that's when you're you're doing it wrong. I think. But then I think I, I was reading a book recently. I think it was by a guy up here, Carl Sa- uh, yeah Carl Sagan, and he was saying that's the problem though. I think the way the way it works, the way the world works, is that you kind of like even the economy right now. We look at GDP, like we look at money as a as a guide to how well mm-hmm. a country's doing. Mm-hmm. And he said, yeah, GDP goes up most years for I mean obviously you had the economy but even the UK is now going up. But then you look and you've got the biggest amount of people who are out of work and are also like living in poverty. There's more of that. But because GDP's going up, we seem to be doing something right. 
Mm-hmm. And I think that's the problem. Like downstairs, you picked up that newspaper in my door, and the front page was GCSE results go up again, like be the highest ever. Well, this is a <laughs> note that I put in in the show notes, which is is might be a little bit controversial to say, but my argument you hear every year exams are getting easier, exams are getting easier, and it's like I don't think that's the case. No. I've never thought that's the case. I think it's been a lot to do with harder work and better teaching, but also, also. I think the main cause now is not the fact that exams are getting easier, it's the fact that the internet and technology has made grades and um, outsourcing, uh, sorry, uh, putting knowledge on paper a commodity. Mm-hmm. Grades are a commodity. Degrees are a commodity. Oh, 100%. Everybody's got a degree. And everybody's got a degree because the education system's pushed everybody to get a degree and um, the grade system is being influenced, the GCSEs and A-levels, by the knowledge that people can get from the internet and technology because they don't need to sit in the classroom and be fed all this stuff when they can just look at it on the internet and that's why it's getting easier or seeming to get easier because the students that are passionate about those subjects at GCSE and at A-level which means these are subjects that they have chosen to study on the whole um, they're passionate enough about it to go home and look into it yeah to type into Google to type into like YouTube like Find out more about it. I t- yeah, I totally agree with that. And it's, it's, we spoke about that before. Is that mm-hmm. sort of getting stuck with the whole education inflation? But again, I think it's too often that the young people are fed that they think, okay, I think the grades go up because you're, every year they say it's more and more competitive to be in the working mm-hmm. world. You need higher and higher grades. So you've got kids who are like stressed out. You've got fucking mental health disorders happening because people are pushed, 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 pushed mm-hmm. to the point. It's like, I'm trying to get the best grade possible. I'm working as hard as I can. Then you still come out and you've still not got the job, even though... Even even they said they said like um, uh, it was saying that uh, first class degrees has risen the highest ever. So more people are now getting first class degrees. Like where does it stop? And it, have you got to stop kind of looking at that as a? I don't know. I, I listen to a lot of TED talks on education. They say really you've got to find some way that people can sort of um, value experiences over this sort of right. bloody grades all the time. Well, this is the problem. Our focus. Well. Rather, the education system's focus of value is completely flawed. The education system's focus of value is on the grades, and it's on the degrees. And as more and more people are getting more and more higher grades, more and more degrees, more and more master's degrees, more and more PhDs, the value decreases. It's simple economics. I'm not even an an economist, Uh and I know that the more degrees that are out there, the less valuable the degrees are. And then you've got to put into perspective the fact that, okay, that's the UK citizens who are getting first class. Now let's also mention the rest of the world who are now in this global economy mm-hmm. who are also getting first class mm-hmm. degrees. So like you say, like the value, if, if anybody anywhere in the world has the same amount of degree, literally... It is like, like well, it's already proven now. We can already see it when you've got 3,000 people applying for one job. Right. And he's like, how does 3,000 people apply for one job? Right, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So what the education system should be focusing its value on is actually value itself. Mm-hmm. That's the problem we've got. People don't, and we've talked about this at length before, people don't know how to sell themselves. Well, they don't know how to create value to the market, as Jim Rohn would say. Mm-hmm. Like, that is how you earn your money, is bring value to the market, yet young people have sort of like we say they have been handicapped they to the fact that they don't know how to bring value they know how to sit an exam or they know how to be compliant to be told what to do but they don't know how to spot a problem and how to how they're going to go about solving it mm-hmm. anymore i think 
one of, uh, again, another controversial thing to suggest, but maybe um, IT students, for example, should, their project should be, set up a website so you can make the most money. Yeah, but I would also say also... And whoever, bringing... whoever makes the most money is clearly the most valuable. No, definitely. I think they need to bring in more of these sort of... That's what I'm saying. In terms of bringing education into the actual school, I would... Exactly what you said there, I think it's a perfect idea, is to bring bring education in, but apply it to a problem. So if you've got a good IT guy, get him to build the website. If you've got a guy who's very... Is the competent, more the leader, or whatever it is, that person... I reckon building like these little entrepreneurial ventures, like we were saying that universities are moving to, mm-hmm. they're becoming this self-education platform, but also incubators for sort of businesses. Mm-hmm. I think the earlier you can get that sort of entrepreneurial mindset into into the school, the better. It's, it, you might have all the digital technology, et cetera, et cetera. They might know how to tweet or how to log onto Facebook, but mm-hmm. if you cannot create a business or even if they're like I think um, I mean we're going to be interviewing Richard um, soon Richard Strudwick he's going to be one of our interview guests and he gets um, students to come into school and they get to sell smoothies mm-hmm. so for a week I think like it's a group of kids and they've got to go around their school selling smoothies to other students I think that is what they need more yeah. and incorporate incorporate the digital into it into that by say, okay, let's create a website which we can, or let's design a leaflet which we're going to give around the school. Or let's create a Facebook page that we tell the right. students to go onto. And but think about think about that smoothie business as an example. You're combining several subjects there. You've got home economics, which isn't even doesn't even exist as a subject anymore. I think it's now design technology. Mm-hmm. All is one. But home economics, so uh, food tech. Yeah, sort of. Dis- yeah, yeah. You're combining mathematics because business Figure out, yeah, money. how much you're going to buy for uh, products. You're combining, if you set up a website, for, which you should, for that business, you're combining IT. Then you've got, you know, advertising. That's graphic design. Get your art, get get your art students. students. Exactly, right. So you're combining several subjects on one project. That is how it has to be. That's how it should be. Definitely. Like, not maths, we're going to teach you Pythagoras' theorem, which you will need in your life, but you'll never actually use it. <laughs> Like, stop with that bullshit and actually give us students that know how to actually go out into the world and provide value. Because, like you say, like if, if you're going to make education so that people can get their first job as such, and we're saying, actually, that first job is probably not going to be there, then you've got to kind of say, okay, how can I leave education being able to create my first business mm-hmm. or finding my first problem? Because... Problems will continue as technology evolves. There's just different problems. Like no one know, knew they had to um, would need a, a platform to send a, a SMS text message out, but Twitter right. created it. So problems will always be there. And now SMS is dying because everybody uses internet. To yeah, exactly. So that problem is gone. But there's always an evolve. There's always problems evolving one after the other. But it's just that the, the young person should be so aware of that in that sort of incubating space that by the time they left, they're like, oh, yeah, there's this and this problem, and there's this and this problem, and then they, they use their skills they've learned to kind of move on to college, learn a bit more, go to university, learn a bit more, mm-hmm. leave university, and they've got together a nice little team who are actually building or solving a big problem. Well, this is the problem we have as well, right? So you do your GCSEs, so that's two years of your life, right? This GCSE syllabus has been set up, right? In two years' time, the world has changed so much, your GCSE is already out of date before you've got it. Plus, you're already, you you were in the year that had the biggest grades ever, but then three years later, that year had the biggest grades ever, so you're, you're already out of the pile anyway. It's it's just mental, absolutely mental, <laughs> that we've got to the stage where education 
isn't keeping up with. But that, but that's why I think that is why a lot of young people. I, I think there's a lot. I said to my brother yesterday. I said your generation were disrupted and didn't like it. My generation even more so. We left university and was like, ah, what's going on? I think now the younger generation are like they're slowly kind of accepting that I'm probably not going to have a job when I leave. And so it's forcing them. It's kind of, in a way, it's pushing them to have to be creative. Like, my little brother's on a mission to make sure that he can have have his first job as being a YouTuber before he leaves um, before he leaves school. And I'm like, wow, is it getting to that mm-hmm. level? That And that's my brother. My brother's one that, like, it's different. I mean, there's not a lot of kids that are doing that. But that is kind of the mentality they need to have. It's like, right, yeah. I don't want to have to leave school and have to hope that someone chooses me. Like, I'm just going to build something that I'm passionate about in my own time, having fun with, exploring a subject. And if that leads me to an income mm-hmm. and a and a job role or something that sustains me, because I, I don't think I don't think um our gen the younger generation. I know this might be this might be kind of close, but I don't think they're as greedy as I don't. Th- I mean, there's a lot of like culture to have a lot of stuff but I think they'd be happy being able to do the thing that they're passionate about yeah. and have a good life be quite contented totally, totally. I think they're, they're past the, all the fucking I mean there are some and you might the ones you see on the news or the TV are going to be those ones that love all the glitz and glamour but most young people just want to do something they generally give a shit about really care about and just live a half decent life just mm-hmm. have enough money to get by mm-hmm. and that's what I love and that's where I see it going well it's, it's interesting actually because I was you know I don't know if it was even you I was talking about um, but how how the generation well I suppose that's still our generation really but the the people just coming out of school are very seem very narcissistic very ego driven because they're always putting selfies up on uh, on Instagram and things like that but look how many followers they've got. Mm. They're providing value to some people. Some people are enjoying what they're putting out. So they've got all these followers. And the, those followers, they can turn into into money-making schemes. It happens. Yeah, well, look when people tweet or share their food. And then suddenly they've got a little mini food mm-hmm. business and they're coaching 10 people right? at a time. So, But from our perspective, even our perspective at our age, and then you've got people older, it's like, what the hell are these people doing? Mm-hmm. It's like, actually, I think they're probably being more... Well, not all of them, but mm-hmm. <laughs> there are many of them are being cleverer, more clever than people. Well, it's just an entre- entrepreneurial. Like it is a skill to build an audience, mm-hmm. and it's probably one of the most valuable skills right now that Definitely. you can have. If people like you, like your yeah, want to follow what you do, then that's it. You can find ways to sort of monetize, or you mm-hmm. find ways to. Again, you're always adding value to them, but you create a business out of something that is your passion. Yeah, definitely. Cool. Wow. <laughs> yeah. No. That was... I think we've covered most points we wanted. I did to want to talk on. about virtual reality because I just find oh, it yes. fascinating. Yes. So it's kind of again like I think we did touch on virtual reality with um, uh, Dr. Jack Lewis and he was talking mm-hmm. about that. But I also do think like you got to think Facebook have bought Oculus mm-hmm. and I do I see virtual reality being amazing for teaching and education. Mm-hmm. I see it being like making the classroom so much more fun. Imagine. Mm-hmm. Whether you're logged in at home or you're logged, you're going to school and you've got your virtual reality. Imagine if you're walking through the war, you're walking through, I don't know, you can explore stuff in such a, I don't know, a massive array of a way. And I just think that, I think virtual reality is going to shake up. I don't think it's just me just being a bit of a sort mm-hmm. of geek and sort of thinking where things are going, but I think virtual reality is going to change a whole lot of education. Whether that means going into your virtual classroom, and I mean, mm-hmm. I've been reading that book, um, Ready Player One, and if you look at that, if you list, if you read that book, literally, I think they've got it spot on about how education is going to be. Mm-hmm. Probably have to read it, but I don't know. What's your thought? Do you think virtual reality will be that important? I think virtual reality has the potential to be important, and I think it has the potential to shake things up for obvious reasons. Um, but I do think it really depends on how it enters 
its market um, because it has to enter the market at a very high standard for people to actually kind of gravitate towards it because at the moment the virtual reality market is gamers mm-hmm. that's the virtual reality market at the moment facebook bought it because they want to turn it uh, oculus because they uh, want to turn it into something more than a gaming platform which i think is a great move on their part mm-hmm. um, but if it enters the market as a half-assed product which i think it will to mm-hmm. be perfectly honest because there's a demand for it um in a niche market. To be honest, right what now. I've seen so far, it looks pretty shit up. <laughs> yeah, it looks great. It looks great. Um, and I'm very excited for it. But if it's rushed to market, I think it will flop. Um, just like Google Glass has apparently flopped. Mm-hmm. Um, they're completely reshuffling the whole thing. So they need to be careful um, when it's bought to market. But once it's bought to market by because it will happen there will be a company that will wait it could be Apple they have a tendency to wait mm-hmm. um, once it's bought to market by a company that's willing to wait until it's a finished product then I think it will kick into mainstream and when it kicks into mainstream it becomes an appliance rather than a niche product like a gaming mm-hmm. platform and I think that's when we're going to get into a position where things can really heat up and really change um, I mean, I just think of things like uh, science labs, for example. You know, you can do really dangerous experiments, dangerous science experiments in virtual reality and just be like, oh, okay, you're in a nuclear bunker, uh, a nuclear lab or whatever. Uh, Throw these things together, see what happens. Mm -hmm. You can do that in the safety of virtual reality, never getting injured. Okay, you might be a little bit traumatised by what <laughs> happens in the... Well, uh, you can watch some of the reactions of people watching their song. <laughs> yeah, but it means you can you can understand at a deep level nuclear physics, for example. Mm-hmm. But as well, like, you think you've got all these sort of, like, university stamps and stuff putting out free lectures. Imagine you just walk into your virtual reality, you can walk into a hall and get taught by someone else around the world... Mm-hmm. And that's it. Then it's not sort of, or who goes to which university. You just go to the best teacher who's available. And when they sign in, all right, I'm going to his lecture on this. Mm-hmm. And you're going to be sit walking around with people who are passionate about the same subject as you. So I just think, I think it's going to be amazing. But who knows where it's going to go. Yes. Um, cool. Um, I guess we're going to probably start wrapping things up. I think so. I think we've covered most of what we wanted to talk about. Yeah, we've got, uh, I, ran, I feel quite relieved. I feel quite <laughs> loose and free like I had to get that out of my system. <laughs> but I also do think, though, through through the online and through maybe that virtuality, is that education has to become more personalised. I do think yes. it just each time, like at the moment, it's one side. It's like making everybody wear the same pair of bloody shorts. Like they don't fit everybody. Like so, I think <laughs> yeah, it's uncomfortable. You've tried to make everybody fit into one system. Like mm-hmm. no, that's not not everybody is exactly the same. That's treating everyone like bloody animals or something. Yeah. So I think as as technology takes over, I think. Definitely education has to become more personalised and how people work and how how often they... I mean, it's just got to be more in control of the, of the student, really. Yes, definitely. So I'd like to wrap up with the Seth... Seth Gwoden? The Seth Gwoden. The Seth Gwoden quote. quote. Cool. Seth Gwoden quote. <laughs> this was from his talk, which I'm going to share. It's actually... Um, I did do a blog of like eight videos that will change the way you think about education. I will link to that in the, um, in the show notes. And then in his... Um, in Seth Godin's talk, he was like, what is education actually for? And his answer to that was um, to create artists, not workers. He said that grades are an illusion, passion and insights is what really matters. And I think that's exactly what you said. Like, if, if grades are constantly kind of going up and inflating and not no longer being useful, they are just an illusion. Mm-hmm. And 
it worked for a while when not many people had the grades they were a bit of a sort of rarity Mm -hmm. but now everyone's got them they are this illusion and and people say well I've got a grade I've got a first class degree and things aren't happening the way they expected so Mm -hmm. that's because they are the illusion so we would actually love to hear what you have to say on this subject I think uh, on our new social media platforms we should try and get some conversations going about this because I think it'd be really intriguing to see what people think so these social media platforms Gem how do they find them so you can now tweet us at pn underscore podcast which is our new twitter channel yeah Um, am I going to do them all if you want Cool. You can also insta <laughs> actually just check out my Instagram at powerful nonsense. No, powerful underscore nonsense for Instagram. But also the Facebook group would probably a good place to kind of discuss that. I think that'd be probably the so best. So obviously place to have once we discussion. post this, we'll post up this episode and maybe if you drop that into the comments mm-hmm. and it is uh, facebook.com slash powerful nonsense. Lovely. And um finally, like that book that I was speaking about, Ready Player One, which I think is a really good sort of example of where virtual reality can go and they've got an example of how education could potentially work in the future you can actually download that um that book for free on um if you go to www.audibletrial.com slash nonsense and it's called ready player one so i would definitely suggest checking that out i think i'm going to download that audio book because everybody recommends ready player one to me and i have a real interest in it so i'm gonna give it a go awesome. let you know what i think cool and if you know a friend that you think would love this episode... Or an adult. If there's someone out there who's buying tablets for the class and saying, I'm going to... A friend could be an adult. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but anyone, anyone you think that would be interested in what we've had to say, whether they are a teacher or not, just share the episode with them. We would love you to do that. Yeah. Because it's complimentary to us and it also spreads the word. Mm-hmm. about what we're trying to say to people. Mm-hmm. So, spread the word, and we will catch you next week. I think you need to sort out your pauses, Wayne. Your pauses between words take too long. Or maybe I speak too fast. <laughs> maybe that's what it is. Maybe that is what it is. Maybe. Good. Bye. See you later, guys. <laughs>